Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. Your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Megan Kelly, welcome to a very haunted Megan Kelly show Halloween episode. I'm so excited for today. With Halloween nearly upon us, we have an otherworldly show to kick off your weekend. So fun, right? This is part of the fun of Halloween is just getting an escape from all the nightmares of Capitol Hill and talking about fun stuff like the paranormal and ghosts and whether houses are haunted and what happens to us when we go away and do we ever really. Uh, As the veil between the living and the dead thins this time of year, many people do find themselves wondering, are ghosts real? Do you have a ghost story? I'm going to be taking your calls a little bit later to hear them. We've got two great guests on the topic to talk us through ghost stories today. Later, we're going to be joined by Jim Harold, one of the legends of paranormal podcasting, and he's going to share some of the scariest stories he's ever heard. But first up is Jason Hawes, who has been investigating the paranormal for 30 years. He's the founder of the Atlantic Paranormal Society, or TAPS for short, and the lead investigator and executive producer of the wildly popular television shows Ghost Hunters and Ghost Nation. Jason, welcome. Thanks for having me. Such a pleasure. So I love that your day job is as a, why don't you tell us? I'm a plumber. I'm a plumber for Roto-Rooter. And, uh, you know, it's, hey, it's uh, one of those jobs that uh, it's recession free. We're never going back to the outhouse, right? That, that's for sure. Let's hope. Well, <laughs> I, it made perfect sense to me when I started to read up on you because uh, you said there's actually quite a bit of similarity between um, plumbing and ghost hunting. And um, why don't you tell us what some of those are? Well, you got to remember that most most claims can be disproved. So over 80% of all claims of paranormal can be disproved. And it's more getting in and being a problem solver. And that's what we do. I mean, we've we've found everything from uh, uh, toilets leaking or, or air in the line that people are thinking, you know, their dead Uncle Fred is knocking on the wall to let them know they're there. And uh, but you're so you're going in to try to figure out what truly is is wrong with with either this house or this individual or or how what's really going on and just try to explain it to them in mm-hmm. real world. Well, I think this is perfect because I can tell you, we just moved into a new house in Connecticut and it, it suddenly one night, you know, it's a big house. We're used to a small New York apartment. Now we moved in this big house and uh, we heard the creepiest sound coming from like somewhere in the basement. It was like, oh my God, what is that? I mean, seriously, what? I'm like, Doug, what is that? You're the man. Go downstairs and investigate. It's part of your manly duties. and. Um, 
he was a little like, yeah, that is something. So it turned out to be the plumbing. It was the it was well it was the hot water water heater which is old, and uh, so I can see how you're just the man to debunk or confirm some of these reports. Well, and especially here in New England, I live in Rhode Island, so not far from you. And uh, when we start getting into the the fall months, where the heat starts kicking on and and uh, the the moisture of the floor is drying out, so you're getting this popping, which a lot of times sounds like footsteps going up and down stairs. And again, uh, hot water lines that really haven't been have been being used that much, whether they're running you know heat through the system or whatever. Uh, a lot of times, these things kick in, and people aren't really prepared for it so yeah. it spooks them out until they understand what's really happening yeah but we've dealt like with everything groaning. right down to animals living inside of the walls of people's homes and uh you know we one time we opened up the wall to, to find that there were uh, chipmunks in there and they, they weren't amused i mean they're <laughs> all over the house it took us most of the rest of the day to, to end up catching them Oh, no. Yes, I've had that happen, too. When I lived in Baltimore, I, I killed myself, I think, 24 mice. Um, we were renting a place for one year, and uh, that is why I started calling it Baltiless. With all due respect to my friends down in Baltimore, my experience was a little rodent infested. And uh, yeah, you can hear them in the walls. And if you're not sure, if you're not used to dealing with critters, uh, your mind could go to a number of places. So you, what's interesting about you to me is you say you go into these houses and hotels and locations to disprove, to disprove claims of ghosts or the otherworldly, not to just nakedly run in and say, yeah, yes, ghosts everywhere. Well, and that's it. And I think that that helps solidify what we do a little more. And just it's more of a professional area because you go in, if you go in with the belief that there's automatically ghosts, I mean, no matter what you catch, you're going to, you're going to claim as ghosts. And then you're going to get skeptics who I'm good friends with many who are going to come in and just tear that evidence apart. You go in looking for any explanation uh, that you believe isn't paranormal. And uh, then whatever you're left with can, is stronger to be able to stand on its own. So and that's just the way we've always done it. We try to go in very unbiased, open mind, just, you know, trying to see truly scientifically what it is. Mm -hmm. So you you are a kid from upstate New York, just like yours truly. I grew up in Syracuse and Albany and you're from Canandaigua, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Way yes. up, way up west. Yeah. So and such a pretty area. Island. It's, yeah. Then you moved to Rhode Island. Yeah. It's a beautiful area. And then we moved to Rhode Island back uh, about about 30. Uh, well, no, oh, geez, almost going on 40 years ago. So so, and as I understand it, there was an important experience in your childhood that may have piqued your curiosity in, in I don't know, do we call it the paranormal or just otherworldly spirits or guardian angels? You know, you can put any label on it, but I do think this is really interesting. And I, I don't know whether some people are just closer to the other side. Somehow they have energy that can tap in or see things that others cannot, because I like 57 percent of the American people do believe in ghosts and um, and even and 63 percent believe in the paranormal of some sort. So I do think that there's something out there and then some people are able to tap into it in a way others are not. Maybe there's a childhood explanation for most of us, maybe not. But can you tell us about yours? I thought it was quite moving. Well, I've had a couple different experiences throughout my life. Uh, the most profound, which really thrusted me into this field, was when I witnessed something back in, uh, I was about 18, 19, and I had an experience. I never really thought much of the paranormal. My family had had some uh, prior experiences uh, before, but this sort of just thrusted me into the field of trying to understand how these things were possible. And then you go out and you look online or you read books and everybody has their own theories, but I'm one of those people where I like to get my hands on and, and really try to figure it out. So, and that's pretty much how I started, I started doing this. We created a website 
back then, which uh, it was a tiny little website, which now is still the top visited paranormal website in the world, with over 92 million visitors a year. Wow. And uh, yeah, I know it's, it's amazing. Who would have thought it would have blown up into what it did? But I, I, most people where you're saying most people believe, uh, you know, over 60 something percent believe in the paranormal. Well, they should because para is just a Greek word for beyond. So it's beyond the normal of what we're used to. So if you look back, you know, 75, 100 years ago, microwave signals would have been who would have fallen under the realm of paranormal because we didn't understand them at this time. It's mm-hmm. just ghosts and hauntings and things of that nature fall under the umbrella of the paranormal. Mm. So, yeah. OK, so, so I don't know if this is the incident when you were 18 or 19, but what I was reading about was um, this is from uh, New Jersey dot com talking about how one day you ran into a man who you'd never met before in your life. He said something out of the blue. You didn't know where it came from. Uh, about anger. Can you tell us about that? Um, yeah, not sure if that's a hundred percent accurate. I did run into a, a <laughs> it's woman. Not true. At one point. I shouldn't have been yeah, moved I, by this. Well, no. <laughs> Some I mean, stranger I, told I you not to let the anger get the best who, of you. That was the story. Well, I, yeah, and uh, actually, that that was a, a a lady, a woman that I ran into, who had brought this up to me and also told me same lady told me about the anger, but also told me that we would again see each other at some point, and it was years later that I ran into her again, but. uh it was, I mean, definitely you, you, you get these weird, weird times in your life or these weird scenarios when things happen that I think kind of guide you down certain paths and, uh, you know, just being, you know, creating this little show that agreeing to do one season of this little show that we, we figured would never succeed because I mean, who wants to watch a couple plumbers and a, and a police officer sit around in the dark all night? Many, um, many who people. would have thought that it would blow up to what it was? I mean, mm-hmm. we're airing in 140 countries. It's still to this day, the top watched paranormal show in history and uh, all out of this tiny little state of Rhode Island. Right. Okay. So what makes you, so you start meeting at like a Starbucks, I gather with your buddies, start talking about these stories. And then the New York times does an article on you and things blow up. The article goes totally viral and then you get offered a TV show. So I guess that's the path toward, you know, taking this thing national, but what, what, how did you develop the skills that you use when you go to investigate a place to see if you can detect or debunk any paranormal activity? Well, so we had been investigating the paranormal for years and we just looked at it differently. And honestly, because we looked at it differently and we used to shoot down things like orbs and, and all this stuff, um, a lot of people kind of disliked us, put it that way, because, you know, orbs to them were, were proof of spirit activity. Um, so we ended, I ended up helping out on a lot of, a lot of behind the, uh, the scene, the scenes and in, in television shows. Um, We've been offered TV shows, just didn't want to be on TV, didn't think it would translate well. Um, did a New York Times article that came out in 2002 with uh, John Leland, great author, and uh, he came in and we were able to debunk this haunting as a medication issue. So, and that went viral, as, as you said. Uh, next thing I know, I had uh, production companies coming out of, coming out of the, the woodwork. Um, sat down with a bunch and it wasn't until I met up with Craig Pelligian, owner of Pilgrim Films, which was a really tiny company at that point where Craig said, I don't want to change anything. I just want to send cameras with you and, and record what you do. I, I don't care if you catch a ghost or not. Um, where I finally decided, you know, if we don't do it, somebody's going to, and how, how's the field going to be represented? Mm-hmm. So we agreed to do this little show, which, uh, I mean, changed, I mean, it created a whole genre of television. Um, the the way we investigate has always just been our own style. I don't tell anybody how they should investigate or what equipment they use. 
but we're always looking for the real explanation. So you need to decide on the type of equipment you're going to go into. I'm not one to go in with dowsing rods or anything like that because I want evidence that I can put out there and let other people see and draw their own conclusions. I'm not trying to push my beliefs down anybody's throat. I want them to be able to draw their own conclusions. Like what? What do you bring? Well, whether it's video, whether it's audio, whether it's thermal uh, thermal footage, um, you know, what we like to do is we go in, we try we never research the property prior to going in because we feel that the minute we do, we're going to have a situation where we're going to be biased. So if we, if we go and research prior and find out a young boy by the name of Timmy died in the back room, we're going to go in trying to make contact with a boy named Timmy. So mm-hmm. if we, if we don't do any research, go in, spend a few days there, you know, catch some evidence and then go and research and see if that evidence correlates with anything that we've caught. Now that helps make it able to stand more on its own. Um, and then we can also take that stuff and put it out there and let let the homeowners decide. We're really big into the historical research, but the historical research after we started investigating a property. I know, speaking of little boys named Timmy, I understand when you decide where you're going to go, what you're going to investigate, because you get so many requests, you have to prioritize. You're particularly interested if if the story involves a child who's afraid. Of course, I've, I'm a father of six and uh, you know, I've got three girls, three boys. And wow. so- Children, you all, children are so innocent. The least thing you want is for a child to be fearful of being in their home alone or be, be scared to go to bed. And uh, so any, anything that involves a child that seems to have heightened activity that is going on often, we want to get out there and help them out uh, first. I mean, that becomes that. the priority. And you do it for free. Ways. You do it for oh, free. absolutely. Absolutely. Because the rich, the poor and everybody in between has these problems. If we charge money, we can only help those who uh, could afford our services. And we don't feel that's right. That was one of my questions for you. Is there anything that binds together the people who raise these issues? Um, age, sex, race, background, socioeconomic status. Is there is there a tie that binds or is it completely random? It is completely random until it gets down to certain things. So we do cases, uh, we handle cases for also law enforcement, religious organizations. So, and that's things that we never televise because that falls under severe confidentiality agreements. But um, when it comes down to cases like demonic hauntings or so-called possessions, which 99.9% of possessions have really, it has nothing to do with true possessions. Um, You, you'll never see somebody who's and not religious become possessed. Do the math on that one. Um, mm-hmm. It's always over-religious. It's uh, over-medicated, under-medicated, self-medicated individuals. And these things have to be taken into consideration. When we're being called into a location, you're, you're asking us for our help. So you're opening up your world to us, which means we're going to go through your movie collection, your book collection. We're going we're gonna to talk to you about what medications you might be on. Is there any physical or emotional or, or sexual abuse going on in the house? And all these factors really come into play when, when you're trying oh, wow. to figure out what's truly happening. Because whether it's paranormal or not, this family called you in for help. So you need to help them. Yeah. I, I read that you have some sort of a therapist or someone with that area of expertise on your team. Yeah. And we, we have people in multiple different professions. I mean, we have people in law enforcement. We have, we have therapists. We have uh, psychologists that, can, that we can bring in as well. I mean, TAPS is, we're, TAPS is this one group out of Rhode Island, but we also have the TAPS family, which is a network of groups all around the world. I mean, just in the United States, we have 74 groups all across the country. And then we've got about 16 in other countries, because if we get, if, I mean, we get contacted by somebody in California, 
it's not easy for me to just jump on a plane and take off to California. So we have a group in that area that can get to them quickly to find out what's going on. And if it needs me and others to head out there, we will at that point. <laughs> I'm laughing right now, Jason, because in the studio, as we're speaking, my studio, I'm only in here with Abby, my assistant. So, <laughs> what? There's a real bird here. There's a real bird in here. There's, there's a real what? There's a real bird in here. I swear there's a bird in here. Oh my God! We're hearing something down the down the hall in the closet. Are you messing? I thought this was like a setup. Is this a setup? There's a real bird in here. Oh my God! Can we close the door? <laughs> There's a door down there, and there, and that's where like the brain of the, and we heard something, and we're like, she's making the big eyes at me, and I'm making the big eyes at her, and she went down to investigate, and there's a bird. It's in this situation. A crow. Or something. A crow? I believe that's usually a, a crow. Well, that's uh, that's holy. As long as it's not like a raven. I mean, oh, bring her right, a death I think you're good. <laughs> Go get Doug. This is his job. <laughs> but we've had, we've had situations like that. It's oh, funny. my God, I mean, Jason. What should we do? Outlawed, you know, hopefully catch it. But uh, I mean, we've had situations where owls have been in buildings with us. And bats landed on our hats. I mean, yeah. Uh, right now, I just say duck. As he's going, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know. Oh, God. No, 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 no you can't close the door. What? It's cotton what thing? Wait, 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 wait. Let me take a picture of you. Hold on. I want the audience to be able to see. So it's cotton what thing? It's like in that um, white panel thing. What panel thing? The that door? Window. It wants to come into that window. It's in the side. You know how you can sit over there? Oh, my God. I'm so positive. There it comes. Ah! It's, it's, ah! Coming. <laughs> it's coming. What do you mean it's coming? Dying. Die. Here, take a picture. Come on. The audience wants to see this. Put down your weapon. <laughs> Let me show you. Oh God! Wait, it's it's pretty big. Like when it comes in here, it's, it's big. Oh no! <laughs> what do you want? You closing it? Let it fly out. I don't. We don't want it in the house. <laughs> Wait, want it out of here? You haven't seen it. Oh my God! Take a picture. It's a hawk. A hawk? I don't. Is there anyone out there who knows what we should do? Could you please call us right now at eight three three four four? I would definitely try to open up any windows or doors that you have. I mean, do you want to fly back out? It's it's in front of the only window we have in here. It's like it's not gonna hurt me. Come on, you're from Minnesota. I don't know why. It's just like so big. It's Take a picture of what. He, come on, you got to document this. Okay. I'm half disbelieving you. Here it comes, what do you mean here it's coming? It's oh, a shit. <laughs> it's a sparrow. A sparrow or a crow? Well, sparrows, <laughs> there's a big difference between a sparrow well, don't and a don't disturb it. I'm going to try to do the show while you manage that. <laughs> and you're going to keep on ducking and everything else. This should be fun. We're not in the city anymore. In the city, hey, we, we only had creatures that ran on the floor. Like I said, we've no, don't hurt it. Like yeah, all right, wait, hold on. Yeah, we're getting, let's squeeze in a quick break so Abby can do her Huntress thing. I'm going to go take a picture and we'll be right back with Jason Hawes. <laughs> and hopefully we live. The birds. Next. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private free consultation or visit tn 
usa.com slash Megan. Who here has seen the birds? I have. So is Abby right here in the studio. <laughs> so since we moved to Connecticut, I'm able to do the house, the show from my house, which I've told people. And we're up on the third floor. And it's a lovely little setup. It's supposed to be a guest bedroom, but we made it in a studio. We're building a real studio. But for now, this is where I am. And um, we're doing this ghost show. And some weird noise starts down the hall. And I hear it as Jason, our guest, the one and only Jason Hawes is with us, <laughs> host of the mega hit show Ghost Hunters. I mean, could you ask for better? As he's talking to us about the paranormal, we hear these noises down the hall and I'm going, holy crap, what the heck is what? And I look at Abby. She looks at me. She's got the big eyes, you know, like, oh, my God, there's just the two of us in here. My team's all over the country, Texas, Canada, outside the country, too. Um, You name it. So and Doug sometimes is here, sometimes not downstairs, someplace in his office. Anyway, she goes down to investigate and we're going to lay the pictures in here. If you want to check the show out on youtube.com forward slash Megan Kelly later of what I saw Abby do, what Abby saw down the hallway, what Abby then did and what happened when, yay, the bird got out. It, it's big. It's so big. So big. A hawk. <laughs> she says a hawk. OK, no, it wasn't a hawk. Not here. Debbie, you don't know Canada. Pipe down. <laughs> Debbie Murphy in Canada is saying it was a small bird. It's not a small bird. It wasn't a sparrow. Wait, I'm going to bring in Jason in one second. But apparently Pam from Nebraska called with some thoughts on our ordeal. Pam, can you believe? I am. I'm laughing so hard. I'm having a fangirl moment right now because, oh, my gosh, I just love you. Um, I'm laughing so hard at you, too. But I did want to say I believe this is some kind of perfect timing. Um to have your guests there talking about the paranormal and this giant hawk raven crow (laughs) appears in your house. I think somebody from beyond is visiting you. You are so right, Pam. Jason, (laughs) come on. It's it's at least possible someone from the other world popped in to say, I'm listening. Well, of course, but it's also possible that this thing got in through some open window. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's the thing you always need, you always need to look at the possibilities of uh, what isn't paranormal before yes. you uh, you draw the conclusion. Of how what, would you what, solve you know. this? And by the way, how can we figure out how such a large creature got into my home? <laughs> well, I'd first start in the attic and see if there was any way for something to get down up there. But uh, mm. but it's funny because we were just talking about this uh, prior where it's I mean, we opened up a wall one time to find a family of chipmunks living in there. So you, you never truly know. Um, like- I mean, we, we've dealt with situations where we've had bats come down our come down our fireplace. And, uh, you know, you always got to be prepared for it. Okay. I don't, I don't know how. I like, uh, we were going to get like a fly swatter. I'm not sure that's going to do it. <laughs> that was not. spectacular. Thank you for walking through that fun with me. And please, you know what? I would love for all of you guys to subscribe to our YouTube YouTube channel anyway, because that helps us. Uh, YouTube.com slash Megan Kelly. And you can see this moment at about, you know, 1210 to 1230 <laughs> unfold live when we add the pictures. All right. So let's get down to the truly scary, because that was just good old fashioned fun. Um, and I want to talk about one of, I don't know if it was it the scariest thing you've had to investigate, the Stanley Hotel. Yeah, that, I mean, that place was amazing up in Estes Park, Colorado. And uh, I mean, Stephen King stayed there, and that was the premise behind uh, The Shining. So oh. uh, that's because he, he ended up getting lost one night, you know, after uh, having a night of drinking down in the bar. And uh, that's where he uh, ended up 
coming up with the whole concept of The Shining. So because he was already place. an author at that time, right? Because I was like, well, how did they let read up a little bit on it? And it said they let him stay in the hotel as the only guest with his wife or his family. I'm like, well, how did that happen? But I guess he was already a famous author at that point. He was, he was. And also they were just getting ready to close the place down for winter because at that point it had no heat. So, um, but it's an incredible place built up on, uh, in, in the mountains in Estes Park. And we, we've been there. I've been there probably a total of uh, maybe 15, 16 times. Uh, the first time we stayed there, we were there for a couple of weeks filming, trying to see, just catch some of the things that so many claims uh, that go on in the place. In, in my room alone, I mean, I had a closet door open, uh, unlatch and open on its own, close on its own. I had a glass shatter from the out from the inside out. Um, so it was really, really weird. And that was like four days into it. And I had to sit there and think, well, I'm going to be staying in this room for at least another uh, 10 days, which. OMG. Yeah. All right. So yeah, wait, we exactly. have some of that. We have um, a clip. So some of these work visually and some of these work better in terms of audio. It depends. So the first one, I think, works on both levels. And this is listen for the voice that Jason and his partner Grant hear uh, while they're inside the Stanley Hotel. That would become the basis for The Shining. How far back does it go, G? Did you hear that? I heard that. Just said hello. Hello. I know. I heard it. Who are you? Shh. There it is again. I got it on audio. You do? You want to see if I can hear it? Yeah. Listen. Listen. Holy Oh my gosh, what is going on? That was a laugh. Whoa. You could hear that. Where 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 was that? Where were you guys going there? That was actually in the employee entrance down in the in the basement of the Stanley that uh, is they've cut through part of the mountain. So because the Stanley's built on it and uh, that was during a live show that we did. We did a six hour live Halloween show there and had that and the place is locked down so we don't have to worry about contamination or anything like that. But during the live show that happened and I mean, it was amazing to catch yeah, that so live and everybody to experience it at the same time we were experiencing it on that front to the doubters out there who say, oh, that was a member of your team or that was a member of the production crew trying to add flavor so you'd have something what say you honestly i'm not here to argue with them uh, they can believe if they if they want to doubt it they're going to find something to doubt anyways so um all i could say is we caught this there was nobody else there it was on live tv and uh, it was one of the most incredible experiences that we've ever had and to have mm. it live was, was amazing so i mean each person's gonna find somebody's if somebody doesn't want to believe they're gonna find fault in, in anything you put out there so yeah uh, teach their own but i'm clear conscious here because i was there I was, I was able to experience it firsthand now we have another clip from that same visit the stanley hotel involving a closet door this um this is a little bit more visual than audio but stay stay with me uh, my listening audience because i'm going to explain to you he's alone in his room jason is at the stanley hotel you're going to hear the closet door open and then they're talking about a glass breaking and you can see the glass which i'll describe to you when we um when the clip ends listen in his bed you hear a door open what's that I'm not sure what happened I heard the closet open turn on the light for you guys the closet 
closet door is open. This glass actually broke. Here's a piece. This. I guess I won't be drinking on that one anytime soon. That's crazy. At the very end, Jason picks up this glass, like a, something you have a cocktail in, like a, an actual glass, and um, a slice of it, like an upside down tri- triangle, has come out of the glass, and you can see it on the side of the table. So that had not been broken prior to you going to sleep. No, it hadn't. It, it had been sitting on the table next to the bed, and you can hear it break if you if you listen. I mean, you can literally hear it break from the inside out, which is amazing. You can hear the the clank, and then it fall um, again. And then later on in the night, when the camera was still rolling, I had turned the camera to face the closet because I mean, the closet door just opened, and it was later on. I'm not sure how much later, but the door closed and latched itself all on camera. And you're able to, you're able to see that there's no, there's no wires, there's no strings, there's no manipulation. I mean, this happened right on camera. What does that tell you? It te- first off, it tells me that there's an intelligent spirit there because it's manipulated. So there's a difference between when it comes down to hauntings, you have intelligent, I mean, you have human and, and inhuman type spirits. Inhuman are things that have never walked the earth in human form. Whether you believe in demonics or angelics or elemental type activity, those would fall under inhuman type spirits. Then human type spirits, you have an intelligent or residual and poltergeist, nothing like the movie though. Um, so an intelligent is like you and I, after we pass, we're trying to communicate We're we're tugging on people's clothes, poking, moving small objects and which creeps people out. Um, then you have your residual type haunt, which the best way to think of it as a tape player, rewinding and playing itself over and over again. If I live in an old house and I decide that this doorway, I'm going to cover up and put the doorway down there but a residual haunt is there. The residual haunt is now going to still follow that same path and walk through now what what's a wall, which used to be the doorway because there's no intelligence to it. It's just like a tape player um, where an intelligent spirit's going to know the difference and be able to walk through the new doorway. So that would tell me that there was some sort of an intelligent type haunt there because it was manipulating objects that were around me that I had brought into the room, mm-hmm. um, opening and closing the doors, which isn't just a residual sound, but literally movement of things moving. And I mean, there was some spooky talks about in history. They talked about uh, one of the people who owned the Stanley Hotel prior to uh, the Stanleys and he used to hide in the closet and watch people sleeping and go and steal their jewelry while they were sleeping. So creepy. Um, definitely some weird stuff. Yeah. So how I, one of the questions I had as I as I watched and listened to all that you do was would you buy a house that somebody believed was haunted, said was haunted, or, for example, that it had a bad past, you know, in which someone had been killed? Absolutely. I do it in a heartbeat. I actually owned, uh, we owned a hotel for a period of time up in the uh, White Mountains of New Hampshire, which was, we bought because it was said to be you know, one of the most haunted properties in New Hampshire. And we owned it for about about four years. And it was incredible. But um, I, I would I would buy a place like that in a heartbeat. I mean, then I could investigate sitting in my own place. I mean, it makes life that much easier. I could sit on my own couch and investigate. So, so yeah, convenient. Well, what if you did find a demonic spirit? I mean, it's all well and good if you've got the one who's just uh, doing the repeat walk across the attic floor every night or who's like a human who just kind of wants to move your, you know, your vase from one place to another, though that would be creepy. But uh, no one wants to own a home in which a demonic spirit is present. Well, I, yeah, uh, of course. And I agree with you on that. And, uh, you know, uh, very, like I said, 99.9% of those cases have nothing to do with inhuman demonic type spirits. Um, and even when they do, it's a religious uh, we, fervor. We, we, what, what was that? 
it's a religious fervor when when you're when somebody's claiming exactly. demon. Okay. Exactly. And when it comes down to it, you know, uh, the cases that we have found something that seems malicious or, or negative uh, with negative intent, we bring in what whatever religious belief system they have. And uh, whether it's um, whether it's it's somebody to help out with the uh, the Christians or or whatever uh, religion, we bring in somebody who's going to preach that. Um, it's always us, isn't it? It's my people. It's the Catholics, isn't it? I mean, it has well, to be. But But, you know, every religion out there has their own people who handle cases that they believe fall with with under the negative inhuman type entity and it doesn't appear that one religion is stronger than the next when it comes down to doing these these uh these cleansing rites it truly just appears that it's the the strength and the belief of the person who's preaching it and mm-hmm. that seems to be what what helps these things move on now is it really that something's negative is being pushed out because somebody's talking about god or jesus no, maybe it very possibly could just be that it's something that realizes you don't want it there in the first place. So it's going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about um, Southern Vermont College. And this involves a thermal sighting. Before we play this, what does that mean? A thermal? Like what 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 should people be understanding? So a thermal, thermal, it, it picks up uh, temperature fluctuations, heat signatures, and turns that into uh, into video. So like we deal a lot with FLIR, with F-L-I-R, which create these thermal systems, which are handheld. Firefighters use them in, in fires to try to pick up uh, body heat from people to, to, to find those people to remove them from areas or also to pick up still hot spots that may be burning in the walls. Um, we've utilized them to try to pick up anything that we can't see with our human eye. And we've been really lucky. I mean, we've worked with FLIR for, to work on things for like the FLIR one to, that connects to an iPhone or an Android to lower the prices. So people are able to actually use these devices themselves. Mm. Um, but they're, they're great to use. They're a great tool because some people believe that these things give off heat, heat signature. Other people believe that they draw, they draw the cold air from around them and uh, give off a signature that way. So, yes, I read that some people report weird things like um, cold spots in the middle of an Arizona summer, you know, in the midst of a house, something like that. And that that might be a red flag for you uh, if, if, if you've come upon that in a, in a house. Well, you know, a lot of times you need to take into consideration that central heat and, and these things, there can be times of pockets of, of colder air before it, it mixes with the other air. But a lot of people believe that if there's an entity there that it draws the energy from around it in return, making the air around it colder and itself warmer. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely something you, you always need to look into, but I mean, there's okay. different ways to check into it, see if it has anything to do with the paranormal. All right. So here's, this is SOT number four. Again, so for the listeners to this, and you can see the clip yourself later, um, you can see Jason and uh, one of his guys, Steve, catch a figure walking through closed doors on the thermal, which I'm just going to explain in advance. looks kind of like um, one of those old Polaroid photos with a bunch of colors on it, bef- you know, without it being totally like you can see the outline, but you can't exactly see faces. But just listen to them. Watch this. Hello. Is there anybody here in the Everett family? Oh, oh. Hey, S- Steve. Yeah. Holy crap. Are you kidding me? Did you get something on the thermal? I think we caught something. Did you see something on the thermal? Uh, yeah, and I was recording. Launch. Okay, boom. All right, so now I didn't think much of it because it seemed like it broke away. I figured it was a reflection. And then watch. 
And that was not all the way at the end of the hall. That was... These are closed doors, so that's impossible. It would have moved from here to here. Straight through. So what are, what's happening there? Well, it appears that possibly some sort of a residual type haunt was walking because, I mean, the door is locked. So it's walking right through the door. Um, we, we had it down there. And again, a lot of people don't realize that our, our areas are locked off. People can't just come and go. Um, I mean, people, we literally have the front doors blocked where we have, uh, whether it's a production assistant or anybody outside to make sure that nobody comes in. So we don't want to deal with any contamination issues. And uh, we were there investigating and like this thing just initially you always need to take into consideration when it comes to thermal that it could be your your reflection moving so because i mean you hit a glass surface or whatever the possibility is there but for something to walk directly across the hallway and walk right into a locked door you really you got to try to figure out how that's possible so going down there and everything else and seeing that all the doors are locked and we can't even get into them really uh, leaves you scratching your head how how many like homes do you think have this and don't even know it well uh, you know it's tough because mo uh, so activity seems to be higher where children young children are present now here's the reason behind that especially when it comes down to intelligent type haunts because to a child anything's possible and we we got a big uh, big fat guy coming down a chimney every year a big bunny bringing him a basket it's not till we start telling them that their invisible friend bobby isn't real that we start shutting them off, that we start closing them down. So to a child, anything's possible. So they're more open. They're more, more prone to see things than adults. So if it's an intelligent spirit that's been trying to be noticed and has spent all this time without somebody you know, acknowledging it, and it goes, it decides to walk through a house and a child acknowledges it, it tends to stay there because it's like, hey, finally, I'm being acknowledged. I spent all this time, nobody knowing I was here. So mm. a lot of times children have these experiences and, and homes with small children have more activity than uh, than others. Mm, that's fascinating. So the next time your kid says, you know, mommy, I think there's someone in the closet, instead of just dismissing it out of hand, like, oh, you're fine, go to sleep. You, maybe you need to at least entertain the exercise of, well, I don't know, how would you handle that? Well, honestly, if, if they said somebody was in the closet, I'd find that definitely a little strange because also kids have, you know, they, they do a lot of uh, blowing things out of proportion. But yeah. if they're saying they're seeing somebody walking through their room or seeing somebody walking down the hallway, or if they're sitting in the living room and they're talking about seeing somebody walking through the house, that's a different scenario. Uh, then you need to take into consideration is something possibly going on. And there's different ways you can, you can do, uh, do different things. You, I mean, you can set up digital recorder or even a, a zero lux and IR camera in, in the child's room at night or in your house at night, just trying to see if you're able to document any, any voices or any movement or anything like that, that may be connected with, with your child. If you're not in the demonization or the demon category, can you assume kindness from these spirits or at least you, neutrality? Well, I, I think, see, just like you and, you and I, I mean, after we, if we're a miserable person in life, we'd be a miserable person in death if we decided not to pass on. So, you know, there's always that possibility, but I don't, I believe that yeah, I'm, I'm not one of those people who look at it like heaven and hell and angels and demons. Um, I believe there's good and bad in everything. Um, when it comes to negative type entities, I, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that it's definitely a demon because honestly, Satan wasn't considered really a bad guy until Constantine and Rome decided that they needed a, you know, a good and a bad aspect to, to get civilization to run a certain way. So um, 
so I, you know, I'm a firm believer that there's negative things out there, but also when it comes to human spirits, most of them are just like us. And, but if they've been spent, if they spent the last hundred years walking around and nobody's acknowledged them, or they're only walking around because they're scared of, uh, you know, having to pay a price when they pass over, or if they're trying to follow somebody or just something happens so fast that they didn't even realize they were dead, they could be extremely miserable. And that could show when it comes down to the activity that they, uh, they put out there. Mm. This is a weird question, but does any of your experience give you thoughts about what you want done when you die, you know, in terms of how you want to be buried or your remains? Oh, Sorry, it's a weird question. You don't, <laughs> don't want to be buried. Be buried. I, I Why? can tell you that. Um, Why? I just, I don't. I figure uh, when I'm, when I'm gone, uh, you know, let me be gone. Let me, uh, it's, uh, yeah. I, and just the whole idea of being buried has never been a uh, it's always been a creepy concept to me. Maybe it's just due to Hollywood. It's right. You know, the, the, one of the scariest things out there is to be buried. And then you look at some of the old stories where they'd have strings and stuff coming up from the old coffins with a bell, just in case the person wasn't actually dead. That's so what I want. I want that. <laughs> just in case they made a mistake. Doug and I say we want, we want to be buried in an above ground mausoleum with two cell phones that have chargers, you know, at, uh, plugged in at all times. Just in case. Oh. Well, I mean, you can give me like a headstone with a TV and something just saying, you know, just, you know, see you soon or I'm buying time. I'll be back. Whatever. <laughs> Major Garrett, my old office mate at Fox, he used to say what he wanted written on his tombstone. I've since co-opted this is disconnected due to inactivity. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's good. pretty good. It's pretty good. I feel like the burial, though, at least gives you a shot in case they find a way of bringing us back. Not that they'd want to or that we'd necessarily want to do it, but at least you got a shot. Unlike being cremated, it's like you got no shot. It's over. Yeah, I, I don't know. But then again, it's uh, depending on how long you've been buried for. Do you really want that shot of coming back? <laughs> well, and <laughs> you know what? Up. According to our discussion, maybe maybe you're already there anyway. <laughs> maybe you never left. And that's the thing. A lot of people sit there and they get creeped out by the whole graveyard aspect. But people need to remember that most of the time you're dead four, five, six, seven days before you end up in the graveyard. So the the fact of being haunting a graveyard is unlikely. I mean, the places that seem to have would have the most activity would be you know trauma centers and hospitals mm-hmm. uh, and and places like that where you know when they die it's so quick that they're they're kind of left questioning what happened. That okay. That brings me to our our next clip and story. New Bedford Armory in oh, yeah. New Bedford, Massachusetts. This place was built in 1903, and um, it said it was it was uh, how some form of the Massachusetts National Guard for most of its history was closed by the state in 2003. Fire broke out in 2009, did significant damage, um, and it, some a first sergeant was said to have hanged himself in the office of this place. You guys were asked to investigate after hearing stories of guardsmen spotting cold spots that we just discussed, heavy metal doors slamming shut without any draft. Shadows were there, but nothing to cast them. So you and your guy, Frank, your audio man, you go there and why don't you set it up for us? What happened? Well, we had been investigating for uh, quite a while, and uh, you know, Frank had Frank was never really much of a believer in the paranormal, and a lot of these production guys aren't. They they are they're hired to do a show, so uh, they don't need to believe in it or not. But uh, Frank had screwed around earlier with with some of the uh, other production guys, and uh, I I think just opened up a can of worms. I mean, you're in you're in a armory where things are are run you know in a certain way, and there's no screwing around. Um, but while we were there. 
we were lucky enough to, um, for us, it was lucky for Frank, it really wasn't, where his bag, we, we were able to watch the bag on camera actually come up and hit him in the face. I mean, leveling him, uh, knocking him down. And it freaked him out to the point where he literally started going into shock and we had, we had to have uh, medics there and everything else. But uh, oh my and that was a, it was a life-changing moment for Frank. All right. So this is a clip. Again, you guys got to check out the YouTube channel today for many reasons. Um, but let's play soundbite number th uh, three. Yes, this is uh, Ghost Hunters at the Armory. Frank, all right, all right. you okay? What did you do? What happened? Frank, you all right? Get some, lights on. Get some lights on in here. Something threw him down, dude. Frank is down. The video shows yeah. him down. That was the end well, of Frank as a ghost hunter. Well, yeah, that was the, yeah, he really didn't want to wear it. And there's actually footage out there where you could see the, the bag. He's got his hands up holding a boom mic like over his head and his bag literally, I mean, it just comes up and hits him right in the face. Um, and it's all documented right on camera. Wow. This is so fascinating. So what's so the overall thought for the people out there listening to this? What should they do if they think they might have a ghost or some sort of a spirit in their house and they're concerned? Well, if they're concerned, I mean, they can go to the AtlanticParanormalSociety.com and we have groups all over the country and well, all over the world that do this free of charge. So they'll come in, they, they can try to set up their equipment, try to document what's going on and, and help the family. Um, they need to be careful because there are people out there who will try to charge them money for different things. And that's not what we're about. We're free of mm. fee. We try to help out everybody. Um, so they can get, they can call TAPS family groups and, or they can even go just to tapsfamily.com and find a group in their area and have them come out and investigate and try to, try to figure out what's truly going on That's and just what? help the family through that. Yeah. Maybe you'll feel better because it'll be something like the plumbing or a bird or something. I want to tell everybody it. Discovery Plus is airing a brand new season of Ghost Hunters starring October 31st, starring Jason and his team, uh, and they investigate the Missouri State Penitentiary in the first episode, appropriately airing on Halloween. So fun talking to you. Thank you so much for all of your good work and for being such a good sport during our weirdness. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It truly has. <laughs> All right. Check him out, everybody. Jason Hawes. Also check out the new season of Ghost Hunters on Discovery Plus, as I said. Coming up, more ghost stories. Uh, and I'm going to offer my own ghost story with our next guest because I did have an encounter. Um, and after the break, our latest special Halloween edition of You Can't Say That Ghostly and appropriate. And remember, as I mentioned, you can check out the Megan Kelly show uh, live on Sirius XM Triumph channel 111 every weekday at noon east and the full video show and fun clips when you subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Megan Kelly. Or if you prefer an audio podcast, you want to share this fun with your shit with your friends later who didn't get to listen to it live, subscribe and download for free on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And there you have the advantage of seeing our full archives. Um, some people were saying, oh, you got to interview this. Somebody was like, interview Mike, Mike um, Rowe of Dirty Jobs. Well, we did. And it was amazing. It was right after the new year in 2021. Go back and check that one out. Want to stay spooked? We've got a great UFO share a show in there as well, where we investigated whether those are real. I won't bury the lead. Yes, I will. Go back and check it out. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. 
Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private, free consultation or visit tnusa.com slash Megan. It's time for another edition of our feature, You Can't Say That or Do That or Think That. Oh, wait, this is America. And for our special Halloween edition, we are changing our feature to You Can't Celebrate That, meaning Halloween. No, Halloween is apparently very problematic now, according to the decision makers in a few school districts around the country this year. In one school district in Massachusetts, Halloween celebrations are officially canceled so they can, quote, de-emphasize Halloween and shift our focus toward community building through fall celebrations. What's important to this school district instead of dressing up like a superhero? Quote, the equity and inclusion of all students, of course. But this is not an isolated incident, not isolated to a single group of weird far-left Northeast schools. No, up in Seattle, the racial equity team at one elementary school, yes, there's a racial equity team at an elementary school, has made the decision after five years of study to cancel the annual pumpkin parade, offensive as it is. Five years of hard work and the result is no dressing up and walking around in your costume this year, kids. Sorry. Why? Well, the parade can marginalize students of color who do not celebrate the holiday. And so the parade has been nixed in favor of more inclusive and educational opportunities during the school day. Those include things like thematic units of study about the fall and reviewing autumnal artwork. You know what you can do with your autumnal artwork? (laughs) Give me fun and spooky any year. Remember, as you dress your kids up for Halloween this year, you could be prevented because in some parts of America, You can't celebrate that. Oh, wait. Yes, you can. This is America. Don't go away. Another great guest coming up. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private, free consultation or visit tnusa.com slash Megan. Joining me now is the host of the Paranormal Podcast and Campfire Podcast, hugely, hugely popular, Jim Harold. Jim has been creating paranormal content since 2005, creating and relating, and his podcasts have over 50 million downloads. He gives listeners from all over the world a platform to share their own encounters with the unexplainable. Welcome, Jim. What I love about your podcast is people so often are sheepish about 
like they're almost embarrassed, you know, like they've never shared the story before and they might be like, I know I sound crazy, but yours is a place they can go to not feel crazy and to share stories that I guarantee so many of the listeners are like, yes, me too, or something similar. Yeah, that's so true, because I think through the years we've all been conditioned. It's kind of what Jason was saying before. You tell kids, oh, don't believe in that stuff. So we're kind of conditioned that if you tell these kind of stories, ghosts, UFOs, whatever it might be, paranormal stories, uh, that uh, you're shunned and looked down upon. And what we try to do, you know, it's non-judgmental, and just come in and tell us uh, on Jim Harold's campfire, just come in, tell us what happened, and, and we're not going to call you crazy. In fact, we'll probably tell you, yeah, I've heard somebody just like that, and that has happened to other people. And that's kind of mm-hmm. fun when somebody tells you something and they think it's a, a totally new concept, and you say, no, I've heard about that this time and this time and this time. Mm-hmm. So we try to provide that for folks. So what got you interested in in this line of work? Well, gosh, it goes back to when I was a little kid watching In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. So Leonard, wherever you are, thank you. <sighs> and uh, <laughs> and I followed it uh, on the side for a long time. And in 2005, when no one knew what a podcast was, pretty much, I decided to start a show. It was so early, I got the name The Paranormal Podcast and uh, launched Campfire later, but uh, th- that was a natural topic for me because I was just always gravitated uh, as both a, both a kid and adult, an adult. Mm-hmm. And I heard that at one point you, you, you've said a, a series of coincidences or events saved you from not being home when there was a drive-by shooting yes. at one of your homes when you were younger. What, ha- what do you mean? Yeah, my first uh, apartment out of uh, college was in a uh, little sketchy area. I'm from the Cleveland area. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, uh, I took her home. We went to amusement park. So it was very late, Cedar Point, very late. She said, you know what? I'll ask your dad if he can sleep on the couch. Now, we'd only been dating four or five months. I said, oh, no way, no way, no way. She said, well, you're going to fall asleep going home. So finally, I agree. I sleep on the couch. Go back the next morning. We have a nice breakfast and, and, and so forth. I come back and it's one of those old A-frame style houses, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. The the landlord's son lives in the back. I live in the front. And he, he he's out on the street and he's pointing at the house. And I get out of my car and I'm like, uh, hey, what's up, Dave? And he's like, we got to talk. And I'm like, oh, sure. What's, what's up? He's like, there's been a drive-by. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Whose house? He said, our house. Turned out, turned out that in the middle of the night, about three o'clock in the morning, it got hit by several lines uh, of uh, AK-47 fire. Oh, man. They hit the wrong house. It was dark blue. The house next to us was light blue. Somebody crossed somebody. And it wasn't even at that time that bad of a neighborhood. The police were stunned. And uh, he said, well, what does this guy who's not here do for a living? And they said, oh, he works at a classical music radio station. So... <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't any kind of kingpin, but that was a case where I believe that chess pieces were moved by something or someone. And this is where the paranormal part comes in. What are the chances that that would happen on that night and I wasn't there? I was there basically every other night I lived there. Something, I think, saved me. And I think that does happen. We've had many accounts on uh, Campfire of that. What about, I mean, yes, the hand of fate, the hand of God, 
who knows, right? I always say, who are we as mere mortals to to think we've got it all figured out? We don't have it all figured out. It's absurd to just reject all of this as impossible. I think to stay open minded is the intelligent route on, on things like this. And I will tell you, I don't know if this laid the foundation or if this was already in me, but for me, I lost my dad when I was 15. Suddenly, I was 15. He was 45 to a heart attack. This is 1985, you know, before we had statins, before it's much. I mean, you could still have a heart attack, obviously, but it's it's easier to prevent in today's day and age. Sure. And for years thereafter, we all from time to time would ask for signs from him, you know, like send me a sign if you're still around, if you can see me, if, you know, we're still together. And I'm telling you, I've never asked for one without receiving. And I know you could say, well, you made it happen, right? You, you made, And I just, I have to tell you, I'm not sure how I could have made the things that happened to me or my mom could have made the things that happened to her happen. You know, it's just little things too. I'll give, I'll just give you one example. But sure. um, my dad had given my mom a, a bouquet of roses for their anniversary years earlier. And shortly after he died, she asked for a sign. And this is years early. And ladies, you know how we change our purses. And it's like, you know, n- never shall the things that were in the purse be seen again, for the most part, certainly not 10 years down the line. So this is about 10 years later. And she asked for a sign after he had died. And um, she was digging around in her purse one day for a pen or some gum or something. Out came the card. It was one of those little cards that comes with flowers, right? And for me, I'll give this is my one other. I was in Chicago. I was a young lawyer. It was around 1995. Mm-hmm. And it was about 10 years after, and I was missing him. I was playing guitar, which was a stress reliever for me from my law job at the time. And I was feeling sad. And I said, Dad, you know, I could use a sign. And I literally flipped the page of my guitar book. And the very next page on my brand new guitar book I just bought was this song he used to sing to us when we were little. You guys may know it. Um, Worried Man, I think it's called. Oh, Takes yeah. Takes a worried, Takes a worried, worried man, man to sing a worried song. song. Oh, yes. And I was like, oh, and I could play it. I'd only learned, you know, A, C, G, E. I could play. I was like tears streaming down my face. Okay, it can all be explained, I guess. But there, I could go on. And I'm just saying, I know so many people who have stories like that. I believe. Yeah, I do too. And I've had a couple of those myself. And there's one, I won't necessarily go into it because I know we're talking more spooky stuff today, but Mm -hmm. just like series after series of coincidences for everything to line up to get me that message. And maybe the message is I'm thinking of you too. And Mm -hmm. so many people have that. And to me, the paranormal, and today I know we're talking scary, spooky stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's a continuum. It's just like our everyday lives. Uh, as Jason was saying earlier, darker energies. Yeah, there is such a thing. I believe that. I mean, people say there's no good and evil. Uh, there's, I think there's good and evil. But the, the point being, it's a continuum. And there's some really creepy, scary stuff. And there is some very heartwarming stuff, too. And we try to cover it all on the shows. Yes, right. It is a continuum. I mean, it's like if you think it's just over when we die, that's the end of everything. And there's no more energy that carries on. Then you're out on all of this. You're out on all of this. But you're also in the in the minority of Americans, yeah. at least most of whom believe there is something what whatever it is, some sort of 
energy that stays, a spirit, however you want to define it. Just been so many reports along those lines. I don't know. Um, I don't you. So you've been taking in stories from your listeners and your fans for years. And we, yes. we had our producers ask you what you thought was the wildest story that you'd ever gotten. And I understand it is the Roadhouse Saloon story. <laughs> yes. Now, I just I think that we have a clip. We've got a clip from your podcast um, where the woman, the whole thing is like 25 minutes long. So people should go to your, yeah, uh, your yeah. podcast and check it out. But here's just a brief clip. And then I'll come back to you uh, on the backside. Listen here. Sure. T.I., welcome to the program. Tell us about the Roadhouse Saloon, because it's apparently quite a mysterious place. This took place up in way northwest um, in, way in the Northwoods. In Wisconsin, and my friend right? and I, in Wisconsin, yeah, way up north there. We were, we have a family place over that way. And my friend and I had been, um, we'd gone to see a band play that was about an hour, maybe a little bit further away from where we lived. Well, as we were driving back, it was one of those nights where it, there was no moon. And as we were driving along, along, um, nature started to call and we needed a place to stop and use the restroom. Well, there is no place to stop. So as we turned down the last highway that we were going to head just a little bit south, we were about a half hour, maybe a little bit more from home. And right as we turned there, like a beacon in the darkness was the Roadhouse Saloon. And it had the bright neon lights, you know, with the beer signs in the windows. Sure. The big neon, neon, you know, Roadhouse Saloon signs. Like and something said, out of a movie. Like something out of a movie. Just like out of the movies, yep. And this is like 3 o'clock in the morning. We saw it there and I said, just stop, pull in, and I'll use the restroom and stay for a little while. And when we opened up the bar door, there were all the people in there. There were probably eight maybe 10, I don't know, folks in there. It wasn't, it wasn't like two or three. There were at least eight people in the bar and everybody instantly turned to us and said, hi, come on in. Bob had Ken just me and there, my friend, and, and we walked over toward the mural and as we passed, they had this beautiful old shoebox and sitting at a table were two guys that were playing cards maybe three. And then there were a couple of guys playing pool at the pool table. And as we passed them, nobody was talking. It was just quiet. But they just kind of watched us. And we walked over and looked at the mural and we were talking about it. And um, it was really interesting. It was it was painted like like the set would be painted on a, on a stage. So things like faded out at the side and, and it was real sharp towards the center and in places. And as we were looking at it, I looked at the, it was a scene out of a Western saloon. And there was a table with people playing cards and there was a billiard table and everything. And as I looked at the painting of the people playing cards, I looked back over to the two guys playing cards at the table and it was them. Mm, that's amazing. But it gets, it gets crazier. It gets totally crazier. Okay, I'll, I'll try to make it quick. So anyway, they're looking at this mural. And they have the swinging doors, you know, like they're in an old Westerns. But they notice something they didn't notice before. They see two misty figures in the doorway. They look back and they're talking to each other and they're saying, T.I. and Bob, those are the two people. T.I.'s the woman, Bob's the man. And uh, say, we didn't see those before. They look back, they're more developed in. T.I. notices that 
the woman, the shorter figure, has curly hair and boots. She has curly hair and boots. Then she notices a cane. T.I. walks with a cane. And at that point, Bob and T.I. realize they're developing into the picture. They decide to book out of the place. Everything goes totally black. There's only one car in the lot, not multiple cars where there were. Long story short, she is brave, a lot braver than me. And she goes back the next night with her sister, I think it is, about eight o'clock at night. She walks in. She, she, she talks to the bartender, who's a young woman. And she said, yeah, we were in here last night. It, it, was, it was interesting. She said, where's the big handsome guy who was a bartender? And she said, uh, I'm sorry, there's nobody who's a bartender like that here, just my elderly father. And another feature of the story was a, a fancy old-time jukebox with vinyl playing chubby checker records. Well, there was a jukebox there, but it was a CD jukebox and no chubby checker records. She almost got stuck in some kind of alternate dimension. And the thing is, uh, Megan, I've met her in person. I went up to the Midwest, upper Midwest, where she lives, did a video segment. And I got to tell you, I believe her. I believe her. I believe she almost got trapped in this weird dimension. What Mm. that is, don't ask me, but I think it happened. That she sounds credible when you, you know, you can sort of tell from yeah. somebody's voice if they're, yeah. you know, not all the time, but if they're in touch with reality and she's, she's a great storyteller, oh, too. Oh, oh, yeah. And the other thing about that is, and by the way, our audio is a lot better these days. That's from quite a few years ago. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> uh, the thing is, is that I'm not going to get into her personal life, but she's retired from a respected profession something people would look up to. So not, uh, and that's the thing. People think, oh, these people that have uh, experiences, they're cuckoo, they're they're woo-woo, they're out in space. But almost everybody, even the skeptics, Megan, have a story. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's amazing. That's one of the things I notice if I listen to your podcast. It's person after person. They're smart. They're articulate. They're well-informed. Yeah, they, they may have good jobs. This is not like a bunch of kooks being like, oh, right. oh, it's like they sound like normal, totally normal, regular, smart people exactly. who just had something very bizarre happen to them. That story kind of reminds me of the Purple Rose of Cairo, where the the, mm-hmm. the the woman is obsessed with the movie and she keeps going. And then finally, yes. one day they look at her from the screen and start talking to her. And before she knows it, she's in the movie. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, the thing about this, though, when I started these shows 16 years ago, I had very definitive thoughts. You know, UFOs are aliens. There's uh, heaven and hell. There's this. There's that. And over time, I'm more convinced than ever that something's going on. I don't know exactly what it is, though. I'm more confused than ever what's going on, but I'm Mm -hmm. more absolute that there is something and there's more to reality than just us sitting here and three score and ten and all of that. Do you agree with Jason about his sort of classification of ghosts or spirits saying, okay, there's sort of the alleged demons, which he classifies more as like a pretty much only deeply religious people see those and, you know, can be explained accordingly. But then he says there's the, for lack of a better term, human ghost that's uh, that can interact with you, that can, you know, move things around. Then the residual, I think he said, ghost was the second kind that keeps doing the same thing over and over. And he also said there's sort of the poltergeist ghost, which is a different phenomenon where it's it's not exactly like the movie Pol- Poltergeist, but it's, I think he did say, or at least I read him him write that it's a, like little girls tend to 
be doing the same things. I don't know. What, what, what do you, how do you, how would you classify the spirits as well, you know it? Well, I, I would think that most of that works for me. I don't know about the religion part. I, I don't really get into people's religion and those kind of things. I mean, I, I think you could see an evil spirit if you're an atheist, but in terms of residual ghosts and sentient ghosts and the idea of ghosts that present themselves through a poltergeist, I agree with all of that. And obviously, you know, Jason has years of experience, 30 plus years of experience. I would never, uh, you know, I would never go against what he says, but, um, yeah, I think some things are just simply a replay. Um, and you see the ghost doing the same thing over and over and over. And then I think there are these sentient ghosts that interact in, in some way. And to me, those are maybe the, the, the more interesting. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, yes. How often do, are people calling in saying they actually saw the ghost as opposed to something moved? I heard something, a sound was made, you know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, Probably less than you would think. I mean, people assume the show's just ghosts, but it's not. Uh, one thing people report, and it's not a ghost per se, but actually it's scarier to me than an actual prototypical ghost, is the idea of a shadow person. And specifically what a shadow person is, and many people see these at night, they'll see a figure that looks like it's a hole cut into the universe in the shape of a person. And the way they describe it is darker than dark, blacker than black. And then also sometimes that's accompanied by something called the hat man. And that's this shadow figure, which just looks like a, a, a black figure. And it has a hat on and it's totally black, like a hole, like somebody cut a hole out of the universe. Now I ask you, Megan, if you woke up and saw the hat man shadow me, <laughs> no. I, that seems to me absolutely terrifying. I would have my rosary out in a New York minute. <laughs> and yes, I still know how to say it. And then my Nana taught me well. I've still got that Good skill. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, okay, I, my wife's have... Catholic. I just play one on TV. We're going to have more with Jim next. Uh, he's going to be sharing some more ghost stories with you. And I will tell you the one I had in Florence, Italy, that my kids absolutely love. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private, free consultation or visit tnusa.com slash Megan. So let's start with a story I also enjoyed on your podcast, which is that of the Phantom Nurse. Tell us about that one, Jim. Oh, this is a good one. This was from uh, England. Dave from England called up because we have callers from all over the world. And he said that his uh, his partner, uh, Paula, uh, her mom is a spooky person. Things weird happened to her. And she was in the hospital. She had a series of a lot of little health things. So she was in the hospital overnight uh, for one of these procedures. And all of a sudden, 
A nurse comes up to her and asks her if she wants a spot of tea, as they do over in the UK. But the thing about this nurse was, is that she wasn't wearing kind of what we come to know of now, like kind of loose-fitting clothes of nurses now. She was wearing a proper old-time English nurse's outfit. Mm. So with the hats, the whole thing, something that looks like it's out of central casting from the 1940s. And uh, Paula's mom says, yeah, I'd like some tea, sure. But she kept thinking, what in the world is, is going on with this outfit? Why is this woman in, in this ancient dress? So anyway, quite a bit of time goes by, maybe a half hour, 30, 40 minutes. And the nurse comes back, has a cup of tea, still in her old time outfit. And... Uh, Paula's mom says, thanks. Thank you for doing that. But uh, what's up with the uh, uniform? And the nurse just smiles and walks off. Doesn't see her the rest of the evening. So anyway, she gets her procedure done and uh, Paula's mom sees a, a psychic regularly. And she's talking to the psychic and tells her the experience. And the psychic says, well, you let me tune in here or whatever psychics do to do that. I'm not psychic at all, so I don't know. But anyway, he tunes in and he says, yes, you've seen a ghost. Her name is Lily. So anyway, next time Paula is at the NHS hospital, she's talking to one of the, the people. And by the way, I should mention that there was only one nurse on duty that night and it did not meet this woman's description. She was a different race and everything. So, Supposedly that nurse wasn't there. So anyway, she goes back for a procedure and she asks the staff, hey, I was here the one night. There was this uh, this woman that I saw and this was what she was wearing. And uh, they said, oh, you've seen the resident ghost nurse. You've <sighs> seen Lily. Wow. And there you have it. There you have it. And that's the thing. I mean, particularly and Jason was touching on this, too, with places with history and so forth. I mean, maybe some of these ghosts, I, it, I don't understand it, but maybe some of these ghosts enjoy a place or maybe they enjoy a certain thing or maybe they enjoy giving, giving patients tea. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but there it is. And you hear those reports, hotels, theaters, hospitals, the list goes on and on. Okay. So that is eerie and chilling and exciting. And that brings me to my own ghost story, Jim. So Ooh. I was also in Europe. I was in Italy studying abroad. Um, I guess it was earlier than 1995. It, it was, um, it would have been 1991. I was studying abroad. So I was 20 and I was in Florence, Italy, and I stayed through our exchange program at Syracuse University with a family. You know, you could sort of stay in the student dorms or with a family, and I opted to stay with an actual Italian family in what's essentially a suburb of Florence called Settignano, and it's where Michelangelo grew up. And it's beautiful, and it's sleepy, and it, you have to take the numero dieci bus to get there, and it's got a little, you know, little uh, olive groves and, and uh, grape vineyards, um, and not much else going on. And the house that my family, my host family lived in is uh, was built in the 15th century. So 1400s. And now it's, we're history. in 1991. Right. So it's 500 years old, this house that I'm in. And it was 
definitely old and uh, it was charming. It was small. It was on the street corner. It was like sort of at the pointy part of the road, sort of sticking out, protruding into the the cobblestone road. And it had uh, bars on the first floor windows, which is where my room was. And I had a roommate, Susie, who stayed with me. She was also in the same program, but she traveled this one particular weekend and I stayed in the house. And the family we were hosted by was a mom and a dad and two young women who are about my age. They were like 20 and 18. Uh, so that house was very creaky. You know, you take one step and you would hear the creak of the floorboards and you got used to it. And in my room, there was a big picture of Jesus and a rosary hanging and a big cross and, you know, very sort of nod to the father. Um so I go to sleep in my room and it's unusual for me to be in there alone because normally Susie, the roommate, is also there. But at this night, I'm alone and I fall asleep and my door is shut and I hear the door open straight out of central casting creaky open door. And there are no footsteps as there always would be if a, if a human, you know, on foot was were walking in. So I hear the door open and I was frozen frozen with fear. I knew there was a presence in this room that was not an actual human being. And the next thing I know, I hear my backpack, which is right behind my head on the desk, um, open. I hear it unzip and then I hear it dropped on the floor and I get out of the bed I mean, I didn't get out of the bed until the next morning. I stayed frozen, unafraid. I mean, totally afraid and unable to open my eyes. I was like paralyzed. So I get up the next morning. I get out of the bed. Sure enough, the backpack is on the floor, unzipped. I'm like, I don't know what happened. I have no idea. But I go out. I see my Italian family having their coffee. And I say, the most bizarre thing happened to me last night. And similar to the woman you just told us about they were like that's our ghost like, yeah what they said she's a 16 year old girl who died in a fire that was in this house hundreds of years ago we've all seen her meanwhile i'm like a heads up would have been appreciated <laughs> <laughs> But they That's just take it story. as such a normal thing. They probably never even thought. It's like, oh, it's the ghost. Big deal. They, totally. They've been living in this house. They've been living with her. They really didn't think it was a thing. And they all just accepted it, as a matter of fact, and not even anything creepy. Like, they they sort of give each other points whenever anybody runs into the 16-year-old ghost. Yeah. it's uh, There was a very similar story. I'm, I'm trying to recall the details, but very similar with a, a woman who stayed with a family in Mexico, a friend in Mexico, almost similar. And uh, she spent the night, but then she kept hearing somebody tapping on the wall and somebody talking kind of a high-pitched voice speaking Spanish. And, and uh, the next morning she said, well, who was that? And I said, Oh, don't worry about it. It's my grandma. She she died years ago. She just comes and visits every now and then. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, now that would be meaningful, right? If you could actually have an exchange with somebody where, yeah. you know, you talked about real life stuff or well, yeah. someone you loved, you know, who you could have a, a chat you know, with. I wonder how hard, and this is something I struggle with. I don't have an answer. How hard, because we get these stories of people communicating with loved ones and maybe the I've had phone calls for example we had one last week where somebody called and said their dad called in a dream and it was very vivid and said do this this and this 
But uh, and I've even had people say that they actually got phone calls, but it's everything seems to be very brief. It's like you don't typically sit down and have a conversation. So I think whatever the process is to make contact, particularly with loved ones, it's not easy. I've heard of it taking years, people years later getting a contact of some type. Uh, however, they they get in touch with us. Uh, I don't think it's particularly easy. Just my thoughts. Hmm. Okay, so let's talk about another one of your stories, a physician and a yes. strange pa- patient. You mentioned hospitals. Here we go again. Yeah, well, here's this one. The thing that I love about this, Megan, because people say you're into the paranormal. You don't care about science. Well, I love science. Look, we're doing the Ted Koppel thing, right? I mean, <laughs> I love science. Science is great. <laughs> but there's room for more. And I loved when a person of science, like a physician, has a report. This uh, also was in the UK. We probably run about 10% of calls from the UK. This is just a a great one. And um, he um, was qualifying to be a physician. I guess that's like residency here. And he was working on the lower level of a hospital. It's like four or five flights up. So they got like a code blue cardiac arrest rushed to the top floor. So he's going through the stairwell and he's going through the halls and he suddenly sees on the third floor this patient and he has like a shirt on, a mint green shirt, but no pants. He's totally naked. And he's thinking, oh, great. You know, this guy's got dementia or something. I got to go up and save somebody's life. I'm dealing with this. Hey, nurses, come over here. Help this man out. And then he goes up and he's winded and stuff. But that is nothing compared to what he sees when he walks into the room. There's a patient flatlining. They're trying to save the patient. The patient is the same man he saw on the third floor. Mm. Same shirt. So the man dies. And afterwards, he's thinking, oh, his name was Farbod. Farbod, you're losing your mind. You know, you you just were running up the steps. You got hypoxia. You know, you're just imagining this. So he goes down to the nurses on the third floor. And they were still kind of shook up about this because they're like, you came through here yelling. There's a man naked. And uh, he said, well, did, did, did you find the man? And uh, they said, no, there was no man. There was no man here. So I asked the question, did he see the embodiment of that man's spirit leaving his body. Mm. It absolutely could be. There have been so many stories like that. I remember covering, we did a show on the afterlife and people's sightings um, or near-death experiences when I was at NBC. And it was great. It was one of my, my favorite shows. And to your point, there was one of my guests who was a doctor, a scientist, and an atheist. She did not believe yeah. in any sort of God or afterlife at all until she had the, this devastating whitewater rafting accident. Oh, I've, I've where, seen this person, yes. Do you know this woman where she was dead for a number of minutes and was brought back? And I mean, totally life-changing for her, a total believer now, still a scientist and a doctor, but just completely changed her worldview because of what she experienced beyond. And I think the thing about children, you know, as I was talking about with Jason is interesting too. It's almost like they're still like, they're closer to the beyond than we are. Yes, you know, they're, exactly. they're only closer recent arrivals. The yeah. Right. So yeah. I, I do think there's something more open about children 
I don't know, seeing things or understanding things in a way we might not. And, you know, I'm sure people have seen it with their own kids. They come out with some incredible pearl of wisdom or something, you know, we call them old souls sometimes. Where are they getting that from? How do they, who knows, right? Who can say? Yeah, it's true. And near-death experiences for me, you know, that's the one. And I don't mind if people are a little skeptical, that's fine. But then you have the cynics that just say, ah, there's nothing to this stuff. Don't I don't even want to hear it. But how do you explain this, Megan? And I know that you've had this, uh, if you did that uh, show on NBC about uh, NDEs, you know that one of the main reports is floating above your body and being able to recount when the medical staff is working on you and yes. you're dead or near dying, you're unconscious, you shouldn't see anything, you shouldn't know anything, but you can say, well, that person was wearing a green shirt. That person picked up a scalpel. This person did that. How do you explain that away? Skeptics, mm-hmm. how do you explain that away? And even the, even the doctors around the people who offer these reports often will say, she nailed it. Like they're, they're freaked yeah, out because exactly. like, she had it exactly right. That's you know, right. it's funny because we, um, the team from my team looked up some of the stats on, you know, believers, some of which I offered. And I do think it's kind of funny. Um, in this time of year, of course, people get very interested in these stories, but uh, a couple of things that jumped out to me. Um, okay. <laughs> Americans are willing to live with a ghost and, um, and even worse than a ghost in a house that has had a murder take place when it, uh, in it. They say, okay, 20% would live in a home where a murder has taken place. Um, 46% would live in a haunted house if they could get it at a discount. <laughs> and I heard that people were more concerned about the condition of the roof and the furnace as well. I think I saw that study and people were more concerned. Do I have a good roof? Do I have a good heating system? The ghost's fine. Hey, yeah. how old is the furnace? I can deal with that. And I recommend you check your windows, too, because um, little birds can get in when you're at least expecting it. Oh, yeah. 30 percent. That was funny. Um, Abby has a theory. She thinks it's actually like down the hall where the brain of the studio is. My lights and my my camera It has a big hole cut in the closet for all the wires. Uh, Looking at you, my friends, a Sirius XM, and it leads directly outside. And I think, you know, maybe a little, a little birdie decided that might be fun to go into. Okay, so, so 30% of people say they would live next to a cemetery. Next to a cemetery. Uh, 25% say they live next door to a haunted house. I would not want to live next to a cemetery, I have to say. I wouldn't. It was funny because my parents were very working class people, steel worker, not a lot of money, uh, like lower middle class, honestly. And but they bought a house in West Virginia because they were originally from West Virginia. So um, they wanted to go retire there, which they they ended up doing. And uh, the funny thing was, is when they bought the house, it was like in this little valley. okay, and there was a bunch of brush up on the hill where the road was. And a year or two after they bought it, they cut out the brush and guess what was there? Mm -hmm. There was directly across from it was a cemetery. And I'm like, oh boy. But you know, once you got used to it, you didn't even give it a second thought. But I would never, uh, as an adult, Uh -uh. I would never go intentionally uh, buy a house next to a a cemetery. No, you just don't want to be reminded of your own mortality all the time. That's depressing. That's true. true. 60, so again, uh, most people will live in a haunted house. They want a discount though. 75% say they would require a discount to buy a home where someone was murdered. I mean, I think that's that's reasonable. Sixty nine percent of those say it should be at least ten percent off. <laughs> yeah, they want just at least ten percent off. Um, and then here's an interesting fun fact for you: 
If you buy a house that has had haunting in its history and the seller knows it, more and more states are requiring that it be disclosed to you. There was a legal ruling in the state of New York. Stambovsky versus Ackley comes out of Nyack, New York, um, which is pretty. It's right. It's just north of New York. It's on the Hudson. And there was a baby blue Victorian. And um, this guy wanted to buy it. But allegedly there were three ghosts loitering around the property. Helen Ackley had lived there from the 60s to the early 90s. She believed she had the ghost. She, she had seen one painting the living room ceiling, another one in her daughter's bedroom dancing. And this guy, Stambovsky, was like, he was a bond trader from New York, said, yeah, here's 32,000 bucks down on what he thought was going to be a $650,000 home, this is according to a Vox.com article. And uh, then he learned of the home's mysterious past. He sued, wanting his down payment back. And he won. He won. And the court found, and I quote, according to Justice Israel Rubin, as a matter of law, the house is haunted. Ha ha. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Different people have different philosophies on this. You have places like hotels, for example, and if they're haunted, they will play it to the hilt and come do tours and look at it as kind of an opportunity. There are other hotels. I, I stayed at a hotel. I won't say where, but out west. Beautiful hotel. Looked like it was from The Shining, actually. Mm-hmm. And I said, this place has got to be haunted. So I started Googling it on my phone. And sure enough, there were some stories. I asked one of the employees and it's like, uh, I said, you know, I'd love to talk talk to somebody about this for my podcast. It's like, we don't talk about that. And so, I mean, it just depends, you know, on their business proposition. Well, I love it. I I love taking a journey down these lanes because as I say, how can you say definitively not? You can't. So open your mind to possibility. Who knows where it can lead? You got to check out uh, Jim's podcast. It's amazing. I love the stories. Campfire, check it out, Jim. So, so glad, glad to know you and to have you here. Glad to spend time with you. Thanks. And happy Halloween. Yeah, to you too. Do you owe back taxes? Pandemic relief is now over. Along with hiring thousands of new agents and field officers, the IRS has kicked off 2024 by sending over 5 million pay-up letters to those who have unfiled tax returns or balances owed. Oh, joy. Don't waive your rights and speak with them on your own. Tax Network USA, a trusted tax relief firm, has saved over $1 billion in back taxes for their clients, and they can help you secure the best deal possible. Whether you owe $10,000 or $10 million, they can help you. Whether it's business or personal taxes, even if you have the means to pay or you're on a fixed income, they can help finally resolve your tax burdens once and for all. Call 1-800-245-6000 for a private, free consultation or visit tnusa.com Megan. The phone lines are lit up right now. We're going to start with Christina in Texas. Christina, what's your ghost story? Well, first, Megan, I have to say, when you told your story and you <laughs> responded with the, well, you could have let me know exactly <laughs> how my story went. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I was staying at a friend's house and I was sleeping on her couch. Sorry, I'm walking in my house. Um, and I was fast asleep and I felt something moving by my ear, like almost like someone was sticking their finger in my ear. Oh boy. And it woke me up and I opened my eyes and literally in my personal space, about an inch from my face, was a man's face. <gasps> and it was it was like a 
a negative. I could see bushy white hair and white facial hair. And I mean, I didn't sleep the rest of the night. So in the morning, I said to her, hey, this is what happened. And she and her husband looked at each other and they both ran for the photo albums and laid out this picture of his dad, who was the previous owner of the house. And it was him. And she said every single day, her cabinets open and close. The, you know, she'll set a knife down and come back and it's gone, you know, or take a spoon out. OMG. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so did you say you no know, in the future? I, yeah, if you would have let me know, I might not have. I mean, it was funny because it was, it was frightening in the moment. But then when I knew that, I went, Okay, maybe I'm a little less scared, but I'm not sleeping over again. Well, it's but so because your story and my story and the story of the um, Lily nurse, it's even more compelling when the people you wind up saying it to are like, oh, yeah, and can confirm it. I mean, I it's tough to explain if you just stick in sort of our worldly knowledge. Uh, but I love it, Christina. Thank you. Okay, I want to get down to uh, let's go to Rory in Missouri. Rory, what's your scary ghost story? Hi, this is Lori. And uh, my childhood home was haunted. Um, We had, we were the second family that lived there. It was vacant for 35 years after the original owner passed away. And we were a young family and we moved in. And my father worked nights and my mother would have occasions where she would hear the basketball bouncing in the basement. And she went and opened the door one time only. Mm-hmm. And found the basketball on the landing. Oh man! And then I would hear I would be up in my bedroom on the second floor, and I would hear somebody calling my name loud and clear. And I'd run downstairs and say, "What do you need?" And she's like, "Nobody called you." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then we had an occasion where um, we had gotten a tape recorder for Christmas. And I don't know how my mother discovered this, but she called us all in to the living room and she said, did any of you record this from TV or anything? And she played it for us and it was loud, clanging, banging door, echoing, and then echoing footsteps and then a really inaudible voice that was deep. And you didn't understand what they were saying, but it was really unnerving. Mm-hmm. It um, reminds me of the Jason yeah. video where you could hear the voice down yeah. the hallway saying hello. Or yeah. she's like sort of muffled, but a voice out there. Exactly. Um, Years later, I went back and visited the home and and it was the second owner after we had sold it. And I told him our experiences and he said, really? He goes, that explains it. He said, our dog will sit in the living room and howl. Oh, <laughs> maybe that's what's causing the trouble with my little Strudwick, my puppy. <laughs> maybe he knows seeing, something we don't know. <laughs> uh, Lori, thank you. Thank you for your story. Wow. Okay. How about uh, Tom, my fellow Connecticut resident? I like to call myself a New Englander now. Tom, what's your scary ghost story? Oh, hey, Megan. I'm, I'm really glad I found your show. I'm glad to hear you every day. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, well, this is hap- these sort of things have happened to me quite a bit in my life. But when I was 17, uh, I I just gotten back from uh, my first year of college, 
I was back in my hometown and uh, tired and I'm upstairs. We had not that big a house, but my, I shared a room with my older brother who was downstairs having a party. And uh, I'm kind of half asleep and the door opens a crack and I can see the light and I can see, oh, it's my brother's best friend, Larry. And, uh, but I'm not, you know, he's looking for my brother. He looks over my brother's bed. He looked real disappointed, like, or disappointed. And I figured he's going to find my brother downstairs at the party. So I didn't even say anything. So uh, anyway, an hour or so later, my brother comes in after the party, puts on all the lights, of course, because, you know, my big brother's annoying. And uh, anyway, I said, did you find, did Larry find you? And, um, he said, what? Larry, Larry was in here looking for you. He goes, no, Larry wasn't here. He's having dinner with his future in-laws tonight. Not quite, not anywhere near there. Um, okay. So anyway, oh, well, maybe I was dreaming. So, or half dreaming. And uh, then anyway, the next day, my mother, father, and I had a plan to fly to Los Angeles. My brother was going to stay home. We did. And we landed there and get to the hotel. And uh, there's a message waiting for my dad. Call home immediately. And uh, my brother, he did, and my brother answered. And uh, Larry, Larry, this kid, uh, was only like 20, uh, had picked up a live wire at his uh, construction site that day, you know, like a few hours before we landed, and uh, died. Oh, wow. So, and, you know, I, I wish I, I could have, I tried to get it when your guest was there, but, I, you know, I, I, as I said, I've, these things have you know, it happened to me a lot. Not not so dark, not as dark as that, but... but, no, but um, I did, I like I was saying, you never know. Like some people I do think, whatever, can tap into it, or maybe you have to be open-minded to it, or I don't know what the requirement is, but um, I, I guess it can happen to even the doubters since we talked about the scientists. Um, I, I believe, and I'm sure you believe, and I just think that is too creepy to discount as as not true. I just, it's just too crazy. Tom, thank you. I love the story. Appreciate it. All, all the best to Larry. Uh, let's go to David in Maryland. who has got a story for us. Hi, David. What's your ghost story? I grew up in a big family, 10 kids. We moved to a house in Jersey and we lived there for about three years. We moved out and later on, we're all talking. Well, the interesting thing, the four youngest of us all experienced a maternal in spirit. My little brother threw something at my head and got swatted on the back side. Mm-hmm. For it. I, bringing it to Halloween, my mom used to put the candy up on these big uh, installed bookshelves that she had to actually get a stepladder to get up to. And I was like five and I couldn't get stepladder. I tried climbing up there one early morning and fell. I had my hand on the back. So I was up a good eight feet. I fell, and it was hardwood floor. Just before I got to the floor, I stopped. I literally levitated for ever so slightly a second and then lightly hit the ground. My sister became very ill, 104 temperature, and my other sister who slept in the same room saw someone sitting in the chair over her every night until her fever broke. A sister who got sick later on, one night woke up, my sister had kicked off her blankets. It was a very cold, old New Jersey house, and something put the cover back over top of her. Mm. And so Interesting. So it was, a, it was a friendly ghost. I mean, it was a, at least it yes. was a friendly spirit. 
Well, the interesting thing is my brother, John, the oldest of them, the only one who said he experienced everything, started to experiment with acid. And he said on a few occasions, just after he took it, he heard a very maternal female voice go, oh, John. (laughs) That actually might have been uh, your mom. Thank you so much for your call, David. Thank you all for your calls. It's funny because we stay in a creepy old house in New Jersey that was once reportedly a brothel. So I'm waiting to see the ghost there. I think they're going to have all sorts of stories to tell. (laughs) It's been a pleasure spending this Halloween Eve Eve with you guys. Hope you check out the show, youtube.com forward slash Megan Kelly. Also, you can download it on Apple, Pandora, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you so much for being with me and happy Halloween. See you Monday. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS. No agenda and no fear. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.